Trenches. Welcome to Reality Check, a podcast for accountants, hosted by Shay Thaya and Rebecca Mahalik. In this podcast, we dive deep into important topics and moments worth celebrating in the accounting industry. This show is brought to you by From the Trenches, Real Life in Accounting. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reality Check. My name is Shane. I'm Head of Accounting at Intuit and I am joined in person. This is my favourite date ever by the lovely Rebecca Mahalik. Hello. Hello. It is so great to be with you face to face. We haven't done one of these face-to-face since our failed first try, but every other one has been via Zoom. So this is pretty cool. I'm sure that you can hear in our voice. We're just busting at the seams to be together. <laughs> so, exciting. so we're cranked into this teeny little hotel room upstairs from Accountants Daily Strategy Day, actually. So that kind of frames like our whole topic today, Beck. We want to talk about events. We want to talk about good stuff. We want to talk about stuff that sucks, stuff that we should maybe move on from maybe as an industry and like someone is showing up stuff. So like, what does good look like? What does really bad look like? And what do we do about it when it is really bad? Yeah. And there is some great stuff and some bad stuff that we all know that happens at conferences. You and I met and had our first amazing DNM <laughs> at a conference at ZeroCon. Feels like many, many moons ago. I think it was like 2019. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so that, and for me, conferences in this time around has been that amazing opportunity to get back in front of people, to see our friends, to network again, just to feel like a sense of normality. And that's been probably my favorite thing about it. And today has actually been really great because the content's been really good too. So it's been really awesome, practical information that I can take back to my firm and implement. And I think that that's some of the stuff that we're really crying out for. Totally. That's actually a big call from you. (laughs) Without, like I'm totally pumping up your tires, but I'm allowed to. Your firm and the things that you've done have always been right at the front of what's the thing to do? What's the next innovative thing? What have we moved on from? I might think about to this is Captain Obvious, let's get on with this. That's actually a really big call. And when I was looking around at the audience today, they weren't all Bex. They were such a diverse audience, which I love. And I mean that in like the full spectrum of diversity. I know there were sole practitioners. I know there was very traditional firm type accountants in the room. And really, yeah, like you said, the content was fascinating. You definitely called more of it than I did. And I think I've been stuck at home for a number of weeks still. I've been whinging about this every single episode. So you would probably have a much more rich reflection on some of the most recent content at some of the events. But yeah, I really, I think today's is really good. I'm really looking forward to Thursday. We recently did a roadshow and I actually, without tooting our own horn, because we're not supposed to do that, but I just thought, yes, that was really good. And so Megan Wood in our team, rather than there's always a track of doing a boring demo when you're in tech, right? Oh my goodness, how many have we sat through? How many do we try not to do? And so she framed this whole storyline of like, it was like a theatre event. We had two, an accountant and a bookkeeper working together and walking us through their day using the QuickBooks suite of products. And it was awesome. I was so excited. I was like, it's a great idea. Why has no one else done that before? It was amazing. Well, 
you know, not to cut you off or anything there, but maybe someone has done it before. (laughs) (laughs) So actually at ZeroCon, that was probably my favorite event that I watched at ZeroCon and I am totally blanking on names, but they did this fantastic practical demonstration and like a role play of how Zero Ignition FYI docs work together. And there were a few other things, but that was the one that I watched, of course, because, you know, me Ignition plus FYI is in my tech stack. So that made Huge amounts of sense for me to watch that. And I learned so much in that. And, you know, I use that. I sell that, that suite, that package. But the way that they walked it through and the other options, and that's what I really, really like. So it's very different to just being flogged technology. And I think that's what I'm really liking out of some of the conferences that we're going to at the moment. That's the good stuff. So what can I take practically back to my firm? So that was fantastic because it's a better way to use tech. The other fantastic stuff, even out of today and some of the other conferences, you know, topical things, what's going on, you know, still section 100A is a disaster. Yes, we know it's just all really messy, but delving back into that again, what that looks like, there was some great content today around DPNs and what's actually happening and how to help your clients through insolvency. You and I talked about this recently. There's not enough education there. And it's really funny that me, even 20 plus years in accounting, practice owner, I'm still getting excited about learning things because this is the stuff I need to know. This is not how to fill in a tax return. This is not how to, it's not a basic tech demo. It's actually what I need to know to do my job and do it well. One of the good things about all this as well has been some of these items have had really great presenters because that makes a difference. Don't like, no more yawn fest. (laughs) But, you know, like great lively presenters who understand the audience, understand the topic, speak with authority. That's been amazing. So I've really, really enjoyed all of that content. And I was a bit concerned because there's been so many conferences lately and it's like, where am I going to get some great stuff out of it? So I think that that's probably good stuff covered. Yeah. yeah. Any other big wins for you? Well, I was just thinking like you and I spend a lot of time doing these things and often presenting and coming through a different lens. And so I just am really grateful for the opportunity, like you said, to learn stuff. I'm far more removed from our craft now that I just work in tech. And so I definitely feel it's an awesome opportunity for me to make sure I listen, make sure I'm staying relevant. I know that I talk about this a lot and I do have a lot of, I get the heebie-jeebies about it and I think I'm going okay so far, but I haven't demoed credit for a long time and I don't want to be ever one of those people that just talks about stuff and has no authority to do so. So, Yeah. That's awesome. Actually, I'm going to say, Shay, I listened to your talk and I listened to the whole thing. And I actually really appreciated as an attendee, the way that you called out that because yes, fine, you're not in accounting right now, realistically, but you have, and you have great insight to what happened and why you had to leave. And that, that whole talk was fantastic. So I really enjoyed that. All props to you, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've got a few risky little personal stories in there, but I think that helps. I'm a, I'm a human. Yeah. I'm a human. It does help. But what about we, so the team and I are going to head out after this. We're going to take a few of our advisors out. Like what? I definitely clearly missed ZeroCon because I'm not invited anymore. Even though I am the paying Zero customer. 
But like ZeroCon, tell me about ZeroCon, tell me about the things like was there lots of parties, is that stuff still happening? I think it's still happening everywhere. So not just at ZeroCon, but there's been a few conferences that I've been to this year and or even just events, networking events generally, Accountex and IPA and there's been, I can't even list the amount that I've been to. It was a bit of a from years of nothing and then having like this overwhelm of events almost. But there, and then there's always this party party bit afterwards as well or even just the opportunity to go have drinks with people afterwards or go have lunch or just do all of that and it's been really interesting this year because I am going to be the first person to put my hand up and say there have probably been some times well there's definitely been some times where at either these events I have overindulged and I'm going to say probably everybody listening one of these events there's been some overindulgement I have not done that this year and that's for a whole variety of reasons but not doing it and sitting back and watching some of this stuff go on around me. This is probably where we start to talk about some of the bad things, I suppose, of conferences. We've delved straight into the ugly though. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we'll circle back around to that. So there's some of that happening there but Then as well, looking at some of the other bad stuff at conferences, let's think about the things that aren't working. So if you're looking at the bigger events, so I also went to, was it QBO Connect, the event that, what did not connect? Oh, Get Connected. Get Connected. I knew that was a connect in there. So (laughs) yeah, so then that and then ZeroCon, some of these bigger ones. I think that what's missing in these now is, or where they've not lost their way, but what's difficult is, the early adopters, man, we're like old now. We we only adopted ages ago. <laughs> so I think that when conferences are missing is this ability, at least the live ones, to run really, really good multi-stream events and still, you know, when they're keynote heavy in particular, then there can be a bit of a, well, I'm not interested in this. So then for the three hours that there's keynotes in the middle of the day, how do you then cater to 2,000 people or 1,000 people, even 200 people? How do you do that? And I think that what we need to have is probably a much better grasp on agendas way earlier. Like the attendees, if you want to keep up their happiness levels at your conferences, let them know what the agenda is going to be when they buy the tickets not a couple of months beforehand. And think about who your audience is now. Is your audience multifaceted? How are you going to cater to all of them? And not just for five minutes out of a three-day conference, how are you going to cater to them all the whole way through? And I think that's really a huge challenge for everybody in the space moving forward. Yeah, and just thinking practically, like there's a pretty good reason why agendas don't get released until later in the piece is because we don't know who's coming and that's tricky. And then you also, especially if it's a paid event, you're like, well, I don't know what my budget is. Like I might want to get Serena Williams to come and do a keynote, but I don't know if I can afford that. But I think to your point, we should at least be able to, and especially in like a roadshowy type session, maybe I don't sort of pretend that I'm an event expert at all. And I actually have so much respect for our team that puts all of this together because gosh, it must be exhausting. But at least the headline topics that are going to be available, I think I'm pretty sure Momentum did it with this one, with the, with the strategy day. I remember there was agenda before there was speakers. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay. At least we sort of knew what was coming. Yeah, particularly for a paid event, you should know 
at least the general theme or where is this going to go? What could you possibly learn? What are they looking at? I think that's really, really important. And I think that that would help to absolutely boost people's confidence in actually attending events because I am concerned that although we've all been super excited seeing each other, because I am hearing out there a lot of maybe discontentment with some of the content that's being pushed out if it's not catering to all the attendees, I don't want the conferences to stop. <laughs> I know. I'm like out, so currently in Melbourne and have been, I feel like I've been stuck in my home office in Adelaide for like months and months. I love being around people. It totally exhausts me and I will be so tired at 7 o'clock on the plane home from Sydney on Friday. But I absolutely love it. And is it just something like, I don't know what the word is. It's, I can't think of the word, but. Thanks to Access Offshoring for supporting this episode of Reality Check. Access are the offshore recruitment specialists for the accounting industry. With over a decade of industry experience, Access Offshoring helps you to find talented and high-quality accountants based in the Philippines, allowing you to create sustainable growth and meet client demands, as well as improving your bottom line and gross profit. Speak to the team at Access Offshoring today to watch a best practice presentation on finding the right staff and creating a high-performing accounting team. So much richness that you get out of those little next to the coffee bubbler conversations. You know, you can do formal feedback things and you can do, we call them follow me homes at, into it, which sadly creepy, but it's actually not amazing. And, but just something comes from talking to someone in the moment that with their reflections on either what they've just heard or, or just something really candid. Yeah. And there's nothing that compares to that. And especially like I love seeing my team out and about. I'm wearing inside sales team, so that doesn't happen frequently. I just love it. They light up and actually had my heart broken this week because one of our team is going back to her old job and it's not because she doesn't like her job with us. It's because her previous role allowed, like, it is out and about. And I get it. And I couldn't even be mad at her. (laughs) I was like, I get it. I get you. I'm sad, but I get you. So I feel like that bucket is being filled for me, but I... I'm interested to see what comes the rest of the year. Like we've got March is like conference season. Yeah, it it is. I think it's like through February, March, you know, we've got roadshows, we've got conferences, there's so much going on. It's going to be really interesting because although we haven't had the face-to-face, we've come out of a couple of years where absolutely there's webinar overload. For some of the great controversial or current topics, I know that we can get thousands of people on a webinar, which is probably an exaggeration except for a couple, but even Change GPS had, I don't know, I think it was like like 5,000 people on their webinar for Section 100A when that first came out. That was a huge lift, lots of tech involved, got quite a lot of sponsors on, and it was fantastic because it was current. But then there's lots of webinars all the time on same topics. And I can say that because I'm doing a bunch of them too, but they have their place. They absolutely have that place. But I'm wondering if maybe we've had information overload and the conference today, which isn't really a conference, it's a strategy day, so it's different, but it's a day. So what I'm noticing, which I don't necessarily notice at some of the other multi-day conferences, is people are sitting in there with their laptops away. Because it's okay when you're busy as an accountant and you know that the content is something that you need and it's a day to actually put it aside and focus for a day. When it's multi-days, particularly by like the second, third day, I'm noticing people are just sitting there and they're just working away. 
they're, you know, sitting there and there's like fake getting CPAs. Like I'm in the room, I'm kind of half listening, I'm getting some CPA, but I'm not really paying attention. So I'm wondering if we've just a little bit exhausted and there's huge information overload and how it's going to impact things moving forward. Yeah, and I think possibly I was also really pleased to see that. And even so, uh, Mr. Marston from BDO talking all about director penalty notices. And I thought, oh my gosh, I know it's his jam. He's in business recovery. But what a dry topic, the poor guy, and he did such a good job. Yeah. And even that, you could see everyone's like, yes, yes, no, I, I hear you. And there wasn't so much of that whipping my phone out and all of that. So I think that's really good. But I don't know, is there something in it as well that we, I mean, we're always pressed for time. Accounts are always busy. That is just a thing. Yeah. But are we, like, exceptionally busy? You know that I've been neck deep thinking about talent and talent in our industry and how we might solve for that and wondering lots of things and suggesting lots of things. But, like, is that making it harder as well? Like, is this kind of, is the one day a, a nice middle ground between investment of time and balancing attention? I think so. I know I don't have the attention span probably for multi-day anymore. I get exhausted, particularly when you chuck in some events, which we'll talk about as well. In the mix, like when you've got dinners and drinks and things around it, it can be an exhausting few days. And absolutely, we are always busy. I don't remember a moment not being busy in about 15 years now so (laughs) even on Sundays so we're always busy we've always got work and we probably feel like there's only a limited amount of time we can just close off and ignore everything that's coming in and regardless of whether or not we have enough stuff or we don't have enough stuff at some of these conferences like at ZeroCon Business Depot in both offices we took like because it is valuable for the whole team different members of the team we took lots of people along Mm -hmm. so that's even harder again to shut down almost half of the office Mm -hmm. ignore all of our clients for three days we just can't do it it's too much so that means at some point we're jumping on there Yeah, I'm curious to see what that means moving forward because I know that it's expensive. I imagine it's economies of scale as well here. No, that's probably the wrong economic phrase. But anyway, you know, like if it it probably doesn't cost a double to run an event for two days. It's probably just like, yeah, absolutely, there would be additional higher fees, but I'm sure that there were bigger discounts or on the per person cost spread, it would be better to do something over two or three days than to try and do multi one-day events during a year. But I'm just wondering if our consumption's changed or the way we want to consume. I think so. And so to your point, it almost doesn't matter whether it makes more economic sense to run it for two days rather than doing a day here in this location and a day next week in another location. I think you're absolutely right and it's something we need to think about. And I'm really interested because I have been stuck at home, but I remember those first few times ventured out after like actual lockdown I certainly saw some behaviour that I practised my hmm, interesting <laughs> thought process around it. Like, I'm not going to out anyone, but, you know, I definitely saw some things and I thought, do you know what? I wonder whether some of that stuff that I can see is happening is because we've literally been stuck at home for so long. We've forgotten how, what social etiquette is. We've forgotten what maybe appropriate behaviour Looks like when we're out, when we're drinking, you talked about overconsumption. Just P.S. You have overconsumed or not, you are always very classy, so don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. There was that one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I do wonder as well. I mean, there's always that element of multi-day conferences where it's like, yeah, let's go to dinner and, like, all the young people are like, yeah, let's get hammered. And I think, well, tomorrow you're not going to digest anything, are you? You're not going to feel very well. I don't know about you, but. 
I love a glass of wine, but I'm finding, God, I sound like a granny now, I can't sleep because I can't sleep. It really interferes with, like, if I'm really stressed, kind of actively managing my mental health, having a glass of wine is, like, the worst idea for me. Yeah. And I don't like to say that out loud because I'm not meaning to be a party pooper, even though Taya and Avery do call me the fun sponge, but I'm sure they're talking about other things. Like, what's happening in that space? Yeah. Well, we're getting older. So that's the first thing that's happening in that space. We are the average accountant. We are the average accountant. Yeah. 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 I am 41. It's fine. You can know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We are the average accountant in Australia. So the average accountant in Australia is apparently getting older because we are. And so there's probably multiple things to pull apart here, but everyone likes to go out, have a drink, have a good time with people, but then knowing your limits and then you know, understanding we're still at a work event. Mm. So when we pull back and have a look, it's not cool in the workplace to go out and get shit-faced mm. during the middle of the day. Why does that all of a sudden become okay at a conference? Mm. And then why do people start to, you know, turn a blind eye at that or it just becomes an accepted part of the culture? And I don't want to be that nanny person who is yelling at people and saying, not at you, you went out had a good time. Because again, I've done that. I've been there. And it's even a little bit about addressing not necessarily my own behavior because it hasn't been like, I haven't really done anything really bad, but it does make the next day a little bit more difficult. It lowers inhibitions and it can put you in situations that are also really rubbish, particularly if you're a female. <laughs> I definitely do that. I completely lost my train of thought because I was waiting for you to tell me about something you've done that was dodgy. <laughs> I know, I haven't done anything dodgy. I haven't really. I'm just teasing people out there. But I've definitely gone to events where I have drunk too much and that means the next day I haven't been able to get up or really focus well and have felt terrible the next day. So it ruins the whole next day. And I've also had circumstances where because I'm in that state, I've ended up in really uncomfortable, unfortunate circumstances with other individuals. Mm -hmm. Or even when I've been sober, I've been around colleagues who maybe are not sober, Mm -hmm. who then try their luck. Yeah. To put it in, you know, let's just cut to the chase here. And it's rubbish. But that's the thing about alcohol-lowering inhibitions. These people probably, well, hopefully, know best behaviour under normal circumstances. You say that. You say that. I put some qualifications around it. Yeah. And you can see the face on a pulling because I understand that you're not talking just about, you know, young people in our firms because I always give our Gen Zs and millennials a tiny, tiny bit more slack and check myself. Do they know how to show up? Do they know what appropriate looks like? And I'm not talking about actual common sense and human dignity stuff. I mean, like, generally speaking, do they know that that's not? Do they know how, what's appropriate and what's not? But then our seasoned operators, so those in our generation, absolutely zero excuse, no excuse whatsoever for poor behaviour. I'm not going to repeat the story, but my <laughs> my first introduction to our mate David Boyer was definitely both of us were overindulging, as you put it, and it was not Pretty. He was very feisty and Maddie spent a lot of time groveling and, and now we're great friends. But, like, what do we do? Because to your point, it is a work event. So, like, if something happens, what do you do with that? You can't just – some things are not to the point where you need to go to the police. Let's hope not. But if they were, like, how do we even deal with that? It's, it starts with the firm. Yeah, there are so many 
different things there to unpack. And as somebody who has been in these circumstances, I suppose what's important is when there's options, but knowing what they are. And sometimes there aren't any really good ones. So for me, when I haven't known what to do at other events or if something's happened, generally they stay to myself or I might trust a colleague or someone, you know, have a trusted confidant who I will explain the situation to and just try and get it off my chest so that I know that it went out there. But then what has really realistically happened is no complaints and I have then just tried to check myself as well and now don't get myself in those situations, try not to associate with people who are not really in control of their actions or at least blaming alcohol for not being in control of their actions Mm -hmm. and just making sure that I'm in control of myself. And uh, look, that kind of sucks on one side, but in all honesty, I'm at a work event. I am a leader in my team. I need to be behaving. So that's what I'm doing regardless. But if we're having a look what actually happens, you can absolutely just go file a police report. If you're in at an event and something bad happens to you, you can always go to the police. What they do or do not do about that, it's a long, drawn-out process. I've got these notes, and I've talked to this before, but we actually have really, really strong sexual harassment laws in this country that protect employees at all kinds of events, in the workplace, at events, different things like that. We're supposed to have policies, training, and grievance procedures put in place to respond to any sexual harassment claims. These things are supposed to exist. However, if you are experienced sexual harassment in the workplace or in something related to the workplace, which I feel as though conferences, if you're sent there by work, fall into here, you actually have to address the situation usually by following internal processes. That's what the legislation dictates to do or by making a complaint to the Australian Human Rights Commission. So this is where we start. And when you go to the Australian Human Rights Commission, or you go down this path where the first thing that you actually have to do is compulsory conciliation. And if you can't, I can't even say the word properly. Conciliation. Conciliation. Yeah. So, and then if you can't resolve it at that, then you go to court. Compulsory conciliation being you have to like front up in a room with the other person that did the dodgy thing. Yeah. So what even is that? Yeah. So this is more around, so there's different things that can occur, Mm. this is sexual harassment. So so just putting that very firmly in its bucket because clearly when there are criminal activities involved, you go to the cops and that's that. And it's really that these reasons, so these processes that are so long and drawn out and so hard and such a pain is where people just... They don't do anything. No, they just tell their girlfriend, change their own behaviours and don't put themselves in these situations anymore which is totally rubbish. And to your point, I know that there's lived experience here for both of us. Like I totally get why we went about things that way, but I always think about who comes next. So like how does that help, you know, the the senior accountant in the firm who looks to me as a leader and we haven't been able to address our own situations effectively I would say like in a way that we would expect if it was someone else yeah how does that help them and I mean I am not an expert in this sort of space at all but my only experience of this kind of internal process within firms and I'm sure some firms have amazing process around this and I bet it's all driven from whoever is the leader in that firm and what their views are around this right 
that, you know, I specifically remember internal policy not being worth the paper it was written on. You know, I was sitting and listening to a group of partners debate whether another of their fellow partners should be even spoken to, never mind dismissed or any other sort of more formal consequences because this particular partner liked to date all of his EAs and never mind date, you can, you know, iterate on that. And it was just absolutely not even, not just not aligned with values, but just beyond inappropriate, just walked down the hall and he was sexually harassing humans. Like just was ridiculous, blatant, obvious, and the most objective human would call it out, right? And just that conversation around, well, do we bring the conversation? Oh, but he brings a lot of fees. Yeah. And I just, and this was many, many years ago, but just one of those heartbreaking moments where we're like, we have to do better. We have to do better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what I'd love to see is different options Mm. and more education and communication around what are your actual options Mm. if one of these things occurred. It was brought to my attention recently that the IPA have actually released, I don't know if it's a recent release, but they have a much stronger code of conduct that I've actually seen around for a little while. And I haven't delved in a lot. I'm going to put my hand up and say I haven't looked in detail at CANZ or CPA or anybody else. This one was just sort of brought to my attention. And they have a code of conduct that goes through exactly what to do. Well, first of all, how to behave at events and doing different and when, you know, representing IPA or at being an accountant and any of these things and goes through professional standards of behaviour, but it's also got in there a complaints process. So all that stuff that I mentioned that we're supposed to be doing under sexual harassment legislation, that's there. there. They have this formal complaints process. So first of all, I'm going to commend the IPA for doing this. Second of all, I'm going to say I think your process is possibly a little bit too long probably a little bit too long. And I'm going to say that as a victim, lived experience. I think that we need to be able to, if I've actually taken the huge leap to put in a complaint about something, and this is not directed even just at the IPA, this is directed at everybody out there. If I've gone to the effort to put in a complaint, there needs to be better, quicker mechanisms to figure out whether my complaint is, well, no, at Face value, it should be taken as valid, should be believed. So there shouldn't even be this process of, you know, in that first instance, potentially doubting me, but absolutely investigate it. The investigation needs to happen quickly. And if there are actions to be taken, they need to be taken quickly. This stuff can't drag out for weeks and months and years because that is, you know, it's hard enough to actually even bring it up in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I know that following these processes and even the internal process that are recommended by the sexual harassment laws to to have to go through all that first as the recommended processes, that's a bit, it's 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 just, it is, it's traumatizing and disheartening. Like, can't we do better? Yeah, I totally hear you. I had a look also, uh, you shared with me and I was sort of struck with the same thing. You know, I, I've had as recent experience as you were in my very early, 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 early days in practice, just thinking, and I was learning at that time that practice was about the boys' club and it was about perception and you learn to play the game, whether you facilitate it or not or you subscribe to it or not and all of that stuff. So, But I was never struck by feeling if I needed an extra reason to feel safe, I never, never did have it and I didn't see it. 
for my colleagues, especially my female colleagues. I think that's really, really dangerous. I think at the end of the day, and potentially this is our captain obvious, we are all the boss of our own behaviour. And so to have a wonder to your original point, whether there is so much of a place anymore with our what are actually our learning events? We go to conferences to learn stuff and network, right? Whether there is this place anymore to get so hammered and all of that kind of crazy party stuff and not in the interest of being party people, but just being mindful that people got a lot on their plate yeah. and it's not an excuse. That's not an excuse for bad behaviour, but, you know, one plus one sometimes equals ten and those environments can tip people over any particular edge and they things happen that they either wouldn't normally do that they're not proud of but it, somewhere in there somebody gets hurt and that's where it's not okay yeah absolutely it's not okay and it's just we're all colleagues and it just strikes me that sometimes we forget that we're going to see each other again in another moment. This is not like a go out, behave badly, you're going to get away with it, never have to look that person in the eye again. You're absolutely going to have to. It's going to happen. So there's that side of it. If you only you just get drunk and maybe embarrass yourself a little bit, but if you actually behave badly or are the victim of someone who is behaving badly, like that is traumatic experience. I have a colleague who she didn't like to go to conferences anymore because of stuff and this happened and it's not even that not even just conferences I know people who have had bad things happen to them award events all these things and you go to them as an employee as a person in an accounting firm as a partner this is part of our jobs it's part of the celebration of what we do and I just think the all of us need to behave better and the bodies around us or the you know need to maybe just support us a little bit more Again, I'm really glad IPA have done something, but I'm not easily satisfied. So I want more from everybody out there. Yeah, totally hear you. And I think just a quick call out, if this is triggering for any of our listeners, please reach out to people close to you. Please have the courage to follow a process and see that the right things happen for you and you have the right support around you. Beck and I are here for you also. But maybe to wrap up, Beck, what is a really good conference look like for you? <laughs> just a we just came total full circle there. So a really good conference for me, I think it's no more than one day. I don't want it to start at eight o'clock. Like nine is good. Like nine to four. Now I'm getting really specific now. Good food, good people, speakers who know their stuff and are passionate, no blatant tech demos, but absolutely understand that the tech and you and I both work for them. They have a place to be there as sponsors and to solve a problem. But if they're involved, it needs to be around what are they bringing and solving the problem and some real education. And if it's only one day, no more than one inspirational speaker who is talking about stuff that's totally out of the industry because we need to get our CPE as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought you were about to say because we all need to be inspired to be awesome. But no, CPE is very practical. I could care. My tiny little sprinkle on top of that is I think we should sense check all of the content before it comes yeah. to make sure that we're using the time really wisely, that we pile on but we don't rehash. That's it. Because that's perfect conference. Yeah. Yeah. You should do it. I think so. That would be so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, Shay think- and Beck show. <laughs> 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 that would be amazing. 
you have to catch a plane. I do. It's so nice seeing you. It's good seeing you too. And that is Reality Check for today. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you again to all of our fabulous listeners. Beck and I would absolutely love to hear from you. We would love your ideas, your feedback, all of it. Bring it. You can find me on Twitter at Shayfire. That's S-H-A-Y-E-T-H-Y-E-R. And on LinkedIn, Shayfire. And you can find me at LinkedIn and Twitter at Rebecca Mahalik, which is R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-I-H-A-L-I-C. Have a great day. From the trenches. trenches.